Good morning, everyone. I trust this finds you safe and well. I want to read to you a couple of verses from St Luke's Gospel. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St Luke. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I want you to imagine that somebody's making a film of those words from St Luke's Gospel. First, there's a long shot of the desert east of Jerusalem, row upon row of bare hills with nothing on them but rock and sand and silence. And in the distance there's a Bedouin shepherd leading his sheep or goats up one of the hills. And then we hear a voice over as the camera continues to scan the hills. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, the voice says, See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way and people are appearing on the screen, walking towards something that we can't see. And as we watch, they come to the edge of a big crowd and push into it, straining to see, to get a better view of what's going on. The voice of one crying in the, in the wilderness, the voice goes on, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And then the camera breaks through the crowd to show the strange-looking man at the centre of the commotion. He's standing knee-deep in the River Jordan, with a soaking wet person shivering beside him. He's dressed in camel's hair with a leather belt, exactly the same sort of outfit that Elijah wore 800 years before him. His hair and beard looked like they'd never been cut, and he's quite skinny. And those of us watching this film may well wonder what on earth is going on. Those standing round him certainly wondered what was going on. The man was a messenger, predicted by Isaiah, dressed like Elijah, sent by God, a prophet in the classic mould. Maybe that's why people flock to him. But I can't quite figure it out. Everything I know about him, and everything I know about me, makes me think I would have gone out of my way not to go out and see him. He sounds too much like one of those street evangelists who wave their Bibles at you, and tell you you're going straight to hell if you don't repent now. And of course they're the only ones who know how you're supposed to do that and whether or not you have passed the test. But there's one big difference between them and John. Self-appointed prophets tend to plant themselves right in your way so you have to cross to the other side of the street to avoid them. They get in your face and dare you to ignore them. Whereas John planted himself in the middle of nowhere. He set up shop in the wilderness and anyone who wanted to hear what he had to say had to go to a lot of trouble to get there. Borrowing your neighbour's donkey perhaps, or setting off on foot with enough water for the journey, 
which led down lonely trails which were sometimes the haunt of bandits. You have to wonder why somebody would do a thing like that, especially somebody from Jerusalem, which is where the temple was and the rabbis were and all the accumulated wisdom of the religious establishment. If someone wanted to hear from God, why not stay right there? Maybe attend some extra services or make an appointment to see one of the chief priests. Anyone who turned away from all that and set off for the wilderness was looking for something else, something the temple couldn't or wouldn't supply. John had it, apparently, this something else. He was a bit scary, uncultured, almost from another planet, we might say. But he spoke about the one who was coming as if he were repeating what God was saying to him at that moment. He didn't have many details notice. He didn't even mention the name of the one who was coming, for instance, or what he looked like. But he knew that the old order of the world was about to end and a new world was coming towards him, carried in the arms of God's chosen one. It was a world that would be built out of new materials, not the rearranged stones of the old religion. It was as if the Holy Spirit had got covered up in Jerusalem with pretend piety and temple taxes and all the rest. The flame was all but snuffed out. So God moved it out into the wilderness, out under the stars, where it was found by as socially unacceptable a character as anybody could imagine. Dressed in animal hair, a piece of tanned hide around his waist, John proclaimed that someone was coming, someone so special that it wasn't enough to hang around waiting for him to arrive. It was time to get ready to prepare the way so that when he came he could walk a straight path to their doors. That was the good news John was the beginning of. He was the messenger and the message lit up the world like a bonfire in the wilderness. People were drawn to him apparently not only because of who he was and what he said, but also because of what he offered them. He offered them a chance to come clean, to start all over again, a fresh start by allowing him to wash them in the river. There weren't many rules about how it was to be done. The rabbis hadn't okayed it, nor had the liturgical commission of the day. It was just something John offered to those who came to him. Even women who weren't allowed in the inner precincts of the temple. Even well-known sinners who wouldn't have dreamed of trying to get inside at all. John's baptism bypassed the temple and all its rites. Setting up shop in the wilderness, he called people to wake up, to turn around, so they, they wouldn't miss the new thing God was doing right in front of their eyes. And you know, the gospel always begins with a messenger. Whether it's an angel whispering in Mary's ear, or a parent telling a child a story, or a neighbour chatting away over a garden fence, or a skinny prophet standing knee-deep in a river. And what strikes me about this messenger, this John the Baptist one, is that he was nowhere near a church. And that's a warning for people like me who spend all their lives in and around and within the church. Those who insisted on staying inside the church never heard his message. Only those who were willing to go into the wilderness got to taste his freedom. And many of them were still there when the spectacular somebody arrived far from the civilised centre of town. Now I reckon every one of us has some idea where our own wilderness lies as well as a long list of all the good reasons why we shouldn't go there. We're comfortable here in our own world, after all. 
We know the ropes and we know that we will be fed. Why should we seek God anywhere else? I cannot imagine, unless it is that voice crying out in the wilderness, the one you cannot quite make out from here. That cry may be too coming from the gutter by the Jerusalem to Jericho road. That cry which always challenges us. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and fed you, or thirsty and gave you a drink, a stranger and took you home, or naked and clothed you? Years of familiarity with that parable of the Advent season cannot dull its impact. The incredible fact that the Lord comes out to us still in the poor and the needy. And as we seek to share our lives and ourselves with others, we are actually ministering to him. So you see, if we only listen and seek for God in church, we miss half the message. For the Lord is always ahead of us, out there in his world. For those who have ears to hear and hearts to obey, wherever the way may lead.